0: Help me to make Kip your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome, Kingdom Influencing Nation. Welcome back to another podcast and another exciting week. Uh, You, last week, were listening to Crystal Centric Church. This week, I want to move even deeper into that relationship and talking about our relationship to God I know that the church has been relegated to or said to be relegated to an irrelevant uh, institution to be non-tolerant of anyone, Uh, but I don't think the church is non-tolerant. I believe that the church is not only the most tolerant institution in the world because we serve the most tolerant God, but I believe that the church wants to be tolerated. The church, the Christian church wants to be heard. The Christian church has a voice. The voice is significant. This voice will bless people around the world, but this is nothing new. It's always been this way. The Bible says that when Jesus came into the world, the world that was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were not born, not of the, the blood, who were born, not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So they were born again. In other words, it has nothing to do with the first birth, but it has everything to do with the second birth, where man yields himself to the power of God, reflecting on his life, asking God to forgive him for his sins, and then being born again by the will of God, for it is the Father that draws us. It is the Father that draws us. It is the Son who sets us free, and then it is the power of the Holy Spirit that seals us until the day of redemption. So today I want to talk about responsible, the responsible Christian, the responsible Christian. Uh, we have to look at our lives and really examine ourselves and say, Hey, if there was a man that would die for us, and people argue over what his nationality is, or Or who, you know, uh, was he black? Was he white? Did he have dress? Did he have blue eyes? Did he have black eyes? Did he have brown? You know, all of those things become irrelevant when you think about the fact that if you were in any emergency situation where your life was in danger, you were hanging off the side of a cliff, you were in a burning building, you were stuck, trapped in a car, it wouldn't matter the color of the person who saved you. It would only matter that they saved you. So that's always a point of reference for me. Um, because at the end of the day, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so these kinds of things, uh, although uh, pragmatic for a lot of people who, who just have to get things perfectly right, uh, because we didn't live in those biblical days, only thing we can do is look at the culture, look at the timing, uh, look at the, the space in which uh, Jesus walked in, And you could draw your own conclusions that it was hot, usually uh, representative of darker skinned individuals, and and we can go from there. But whether he was black or whether he was, uh, uh, we know he was a Jew because the Bible says he was a Jew, but we don't know anything else other than that. And we don't need to project our blackness into our Christianity per se. We need to understand that our faith is our faith. Before we were black, before uh, any of these things that happened to us in this side, we were the children of God. And so we need to understand that we came from God and we'll go back to God. Okay. And that God gives us the strength to persevere. I heard someone say the other day, the strongest race in the world. We persevere in the midst of all of the things that we go through and God help us all. But listen, the responsible... Christian, the responsible Christian is one who understands that there was a a debt paid, that there was an atonement made, that there was a propitiation made for our sins. And because there was an atonement, because there was a debt paid, because there was a life given, because there was a propitiation for our sins, we need to just as Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, we need to respond to God in such a way that we know that we're in relationship with the God who saved us. Uh, I use the analogy of being saved by someone and I, I understand that many people who are saved by particular individuals, regardless of the circumstance or situation, they keep in touch with those people. And so we ought to have a viable, relationship with God. Now somebody thinks and some people think that viability is just going to church, being a part of the church, being in some auxiliary or some ministry of the church, uh giving those 2 hours up, possibly an hour on Wednesday night, uh uh and you come home and then the rest of your life you kind of do what you want to do. Well, let me let me say this. Christianity is not a day of the week. It's not a Wednesday, it's not a Tuesday. It's not a Friday, it's not a Sunday, it's not a Saturday. Christianity is a lifestyle. And so once we embrace that as a lifestyle, that means it is a daily way that we conduct ourselves to please God. It's our daily administration of love. It's our daily administration of sacrifice. It's our daily administration of the reception because every day we receive from God. We receive fresh mercies at our doorstep every day. We receive mercy, grace, love, power, strength for the day, our mental capacity, our physical capacity, our uh, mental health, all of these things that God gives us to give us balance during the course of a day. We need to respond to what God is doing in our lives. Some of you are six-figure saddles. You need to respond. It's just not your wealth or your intelligence. It's it's it's. God doing something actively. He's actively engaged in your life. Now, how can we reciprocate and become actively engaged in his on a regular basis so that we want to get up in the morning and pray? We want to seek his face. We want to be a part of his active, how do you say it, move in the earth on a daily basis. We can all be a part. It's not a Sunday morning thing. And and we've talked about how easy it can be just learning how to be a light, but we can't be a light without a power source. And if we're not plugged into God, we have no power. But I was reading, I was reading through the book of John and I spent a lot of time going through the book, but really what struck me was the kinds of things that Jesus went through during the course of his life. And I don't want to make little of that. He was always being belittled. He was always despised. It was always some kind of conspiracy to kill him. He was always being second guessed. He was always being talked about. It was a never ending gauntlet of, you know, questioning his every uh, action, and every word. And even when he did something good, people found a way to say something negative about it. Just imagine living like that. You come to your own, you created the world, you come to your own, but your own receives you not. How would that be for people you love? Have you ever worked with somebody or loved someone, whether it was your children, whether it was your spouse, whether it was uh, a friend, uh, a colleague, and they asked you to help them, but as you try to give them help, uh, they don't, they reject the help that you want to give them. A lot of times people want to be coddled, but they don't want to be helped. People want to be coddled, but they don't want to be helped. But Jesus has come to the earth not to coddle us, but to help us to become sufficient in him not self-sufficient, but sufficient in him. In other words, we need to come to the place where we know without him, we can do absolutely nothing. So if without him, we can do absolutely nothing, we need to respond to the things that he went through and see ourselves going through similar things. Because in this society, being a Christian is not popular. It's not uh, something to be embraced. It's not something that people love. As a matter of fact, uh, even Christians shun their own faith. They don't want to be identified as a Christian. And so we water down the faith in such a way, almost like uh, Peter did uh, when Jesus was arrested. He Every corner he turned when he was uh, talked about or asked, was he a part of Jesus's entourage or his disciples? He always responded in the negative. He responded in the negative because he was afraid of the people or what they might do to him. And yet there was another disciple who was right with him. Uh, I believe it was John the Beloved who had no fear whatsoever. John the Beloved at the cross, no fear whatsoever. He was the beloved of God. Jesus loved him and he loved Jesus. And for him, it didn't matter. What went down, and so we have to get to a place where what other people say about us, what other people do to us, doesn't matter. If they hated God, they're gonna hate you. We're talking about Christ and culture. We're talking about being a responsible Christian. So, in order to, to be a responsible Christian, we have to take an effort, uh, uh, make an effort to do some things that help other Christians to come into the faith or help other people to come into the faith and to strengthen the brethren. Amen. When other men see you doing what the Bible says, it strengthens the brethren. So when Jesus uh, was resurrected from the cross and he talked to his disciples, and we know in the book of John, he asked Peter, did he love him?" And he told him to feed his lambs and feed his sheep and, and that kind of thing. In other words, nourish them but with the word of God, but he also made all of us disciples. We are all disciples. We are all disciples. We are all, listen, if you are a born again believer, you are disciples. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility, not just to hide in the corners, not just to hide in our office and be quiet. Some people think being quiet all the time makes you a Christian. Sometimes you got to speak up. Sometimes we need to speak truth to power. And we did a a message on that a few months ago. Sometimes you just have to stand up and say what needs to be said so that the gospel is perpetuated even in a hostile environment. So the Bible tells us, and, and, and I guess that's where I really wanted to get at. And I don't know if I have time to get there. But if you read the last few chapters of the book of John, it was a hostile environment. They came to get Jesus with troops. They they took him to the house of Annas who uh, 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 questioned him and really couldn't find anything wrong with him. And then they took him to Cephas and from Cephas, uh who made up something that he claims to be the son of God. And yes, he was the son of God. So he wasn't claiming he was what he was. And then you get Pilate who wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing. And the the priest of that day, the high priest and all who were part of that entourage actually manipulated him by saying that Pilate would not be a friend of the king. And Pilate didn't want trouble with Caesar. So he just did what he needed to do to get out of the bond. As a matter of fact, he asked them several times, even using one of their own uh, uh, opportunities to give Jesus mercy. And they said, give us Barabbas. He tried again. They said, crucify him. So Listen to this whole hostile environment, and yet Jesus stands the test of time, the beating, the scourging, the being palm punched in his in his head, the crown stuck in his, in his brow. And I'm not doing this necessarily in order when I just said that last piece, but the, the point of the matter is all of the things he went through, he went through for us. Is there any one of us who can now respond at the office cooling? We can respond in the boardroom. We can respond in the courthouse. We can respond in daily conversation. We can respond on Facebook as an authority or at least as someone who has a basic understanding of the faith and can respond sensibly to the attacks that are on our faith on a daily basis. We don't need to apologize for who we are. We don't need to apologize for what God wants to do with us, but we do need to be uh, 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 understand apologetics so that we can defend the faith. We need to be able to defend the faith, but we also need to start with just basic understanding of the faith. So after Jesus had showed himself, and before uh, he left the earth, he gave us what they call the Great Commission. The Great Commission simply says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. Even when we do some things that make us afraid or are scary to us or, you know, that give us, that intimidate us, we have to remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. But more than anything, he is the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with us always, even into the end of the world. So, and we've been given this authority. We've been given authority. Now, again, the responsible Christian has to respond to this authority. The responsible Christian has to respond to this authority. So what do we need to do? We don't have to figure it out. He tells us, go therefore. When I look at go therefore, it simply means to me, get out of my comfort zone. Get out of doing, get out of my routine. Get out of my uh, set way of, of, of doing things so that I can interact with people. And while I'm interacting with people, live a life before them that is pleasing before God. And usually a life that is pleasing before God will give you an opportunity to witness to people. Uh, When they finally get saved after you have spent time with them, we ought to disciple them. We have to spend time with Christians, not with people, not only before they got saved, which led to their salvation, but after they get saved, so that we can be a scaffold or a help, or at least a solidifying agent until they're able to stand on their own. And then it tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, get them involved, not only get baptized in the water and and acknowledge uh, their uh, spiritual directive uh, that they made on the inside, uh, now being an outward posture on the outside by the show of baptism, But I believe that baptism has even a deeper meaning uh, when it means to submerge. It means to emerge these people in the faith. We have to not only do they get baptized in the water, but they need to be baptized in the faith. And so that's part of the discipleship process. But getting to meet people, explaining the church to them, explaining how things work, just giving them uh, uh, an understanding of the faith and then continuing through that process Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Again, you cannot teach them what you do not know. So we all have to study to show ourselves approved workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to study. We have to study. We have to read first and we study next. Read through the Bible, just get an understanding of the lay of the land, then come back to look at the same places that you've read before, except this time we'll study. So you can go from reading the Bible to now maybe using uh, Matthew Henry's commentary the second time around and then the third time around being able to pray access deeper understandings because of your growth and the levels of experience that you have in life which open up the Bible for us and help us to understand some of the deeper things and of course there's the Greek and the Hebrew and all of these kinds of things that will come to you as you desire to know God more. But, but I, I, what's really important is stewardship. Stewardship is, is not just how you manage God's money. Stewardship is the management of God's resources according to his word. Let me say this. Stewardship is the management of God's resources according to his word. So we read the word in order to respond properly to God and to manage not only our money, but we want to manage people. We want to manage our mental health, our our our, our physical health. Uh, we And then we want to learn how to manage money, our emotional health. We want to manage all of the things that God has given us according to his word. And when we do that in accordance with his word, we're walking in obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It pleases God and honors God. And then some of the things that people talk about, you being blessed and uh, abundantly these things come with an obedient lifestyle. So how do we respond as responsible Christians? Have an obedient lifestyle before God. You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. If this has been a blessing to you, please share it with your friends and family. And I hope you have a victorious week. Until next week, God bless you.